0: Go to Galatians 5. I might have you flip once or twice near the end, but this is where we're going to be the whole time. So kids, um, you don't don't get a pass today. I want you to open your Bibles, please. Brent started us off. If you see his word, God's word, it starts with verse 1. We're going to read the whole entire chapter this morning, not all at once. Brent read to us in the middle of the service, at the beginning of the service, the first six verses. There is amazing scripture here about like fruits of the Spirit and walking in and, and faith and the freedom in Christ. And there's probably a revival that you could teach. We could spend a month and a half on chapter five, but we're not. God had me really with the first three words but truly in just seven through 10. And that is where we're gonna spend the bulk of our time. So from kids to families to senior, man, have those highlighters open. I want you to get to work today, okay? Look at Galatians 5, just the first verse. And what does Paul say? You ran well. And that had, that had me this week, guys. That's three words. It might not mean a lot to you, but if you've committed to this church and you have been here and you have been to the month and a half, almost two months in Galatians, and you know where Paul is and you know where the church of Galatians is, and you were here last week when Paul said, Brother, what happened to you? Those three words mean something to you. You showed up today and this is your first time here, it might be a little confusing. Paul goes, you ran well. You ran well. Highlight it. Like a father looking at that child growing and swaying, he says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Man, highlight verse 7. You ran well. Well, if you weren't here last week, this is a continuation beautifully, organically from last week. Paul steps into that space. Remember last Sunday? He steps into that space, and what does he say? He goes, brother, what happened to you? Like a child who promised their parent, I will never do fill in the blank, and now they're doing all of those things, and he steps into that space as a minority. He says, sister, brother, what happened to you? Right? What was he telling them last week? Now that I speak truth to you, you've made me the enemy? Like no one else has the guts to tell you? No one has the guts to walk into this space? I'm doing so? And you've made me the enemy? And this week you are running so well. Man, like highlighted in two colors. Like do what you gotta do. You were running so well. What happened to you? You know, Galatians is a lot of things. And I think Brent prayed this this morning. Galatians does a phenomenal job of crushing false gospels that you know, your church attendance and how much you give and the fact that you were baptized and the fact that your grandfather was a deacon and the fact that you're circumcised, the fact that you're Baptist will not save you without the faith of Jesus Christ. Galatians does a great job of just crushing false gospels. And then last week, what happened to you? Galatians calls us to repentance. Repentance. And you are going down roads that are not helpful. Turn and run towards Christ. But Galatians also does a phenomenal thing in the reality of our faith this week. That just because you start strong does not always mean you finish strong. Believe or not, the fact that you started off extremely Extremely fast does not mean that all oh, will finish fast. He goes, Man, you are running. You are running so well. What happened to you? You know, as a pastor in many years of preparing Bible studies and sermons and studying and looking for illustrations and stuff of that nature, um, for me, I have never been able to find a greater story, illustration, correlation between the physical life and the spiritual. It is just a plethora. To the point when I saw Rand, like I had to completely go, Hunter, don't put too much. You'll be here for seven hours. It's literally a a plethora of illustrations that I could give you this morning. I'm just gonna give you a few. Whitney, Wilbanks and Brooke leads us in our St. Jude missions. And a handful of us, like 25, it's going to be an awesome day. In about a month, we are getting ready for the St. Jude Marathon. And we got some people running the 5K. We got kids going. We got a 10K. We got a half marathon. It's going to be a great day. And we have three people, myself and Jacob Partridge and Jason Kirby. We're training for the half. And so what that means is you got to dedicate about two months from waking up at four in the morning and, and running, and, and you know, I, this week I, on Wednesday, we were running like at 4.15 in the morning, the bypass, and it was sprinkling, I felt like I was in the desert. It was not a fun moment. But I was sitting there as the night was on me, and I was looking at the stars, I started thinking about this sermon, I started thinking about this text, I thought, thinking to myself, what does it mean to run well faithfully as it does physically? Which brought me back to the first half that I did. The first half marathon I ever had done in my life was about 12 years ago at St. It was St. Andrew's or Andrew Jackson, Andrew Jackson half marathon in Jackson, Tennessee. I have no business running a half marathon. I've told you guys before, I have ran thousands of miles, but I am not a good runner. There is no one like, hey, watch out for Hunter. No, no one is saying that, okay? Like when I was in my 20s and now at 40, my pace has stayed the same. So I'm about a 10 minute miler. And if you know anything about running, that's not embarrassing, but there's nothing to like brag about, okay? I'm not telling anybody, you know, what I'm running at. So I am a wonderful, phenomenal jogger. That's what I am. So I know my pace. It's like a machine. If you've run enough, you know it too. So I'm at Andrew Jackson. It's my first half. I'm overwhelmed. Like, I'm about to run something I didn't even know existed. This is such an accomplishment for me. I have woken up so many mornings training for this thing. Now I'm about to do it, right? I have a time in my mind of what I would like to do it in 10 to 11 minute pace. So the guy shoots the gun off, and we're going. And man, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. I'm on adrenaline. This is awesome, this is amazing. It's a cool environment. I'm about to do this thing. I find myself on mile eight. Hard part's over. Mile eight, I got one of those little Nike watches on. I look at my watch. I'm not at a 10-minute pace. I'm not at a 9.30 pace. I'm not at a 9 pace. I'm not at an 8 pace. Your boy is at a 7.45 pace. Like, I'm crushing this thing. Like, they're going to blood test me afterwards to make sure I'm not shooting up or something, right? Like, like in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, like, Hunter, this is who I'm going to call first and then second, and then when the news calls me, I'm going to give thanks to my Lord who gave me the, you know, all of these things, because I am killing this in a different universe-type running. can't believe how fast I'm going you can kind of tell where this story's probably going to go. It's not going to end with, and then I did it, you know? So you know what? My stamina kind of punched me a little, but it's okay. I got room to go. I've been running under eight. I can give a little. Slow down, slow down. Stamina hits me again. I get another punch in the gut, another punch in the gut. My side starts to hurt. My leg starts to hurt. Long story short, I started at under an eight-minute pace for eight miles, not one mile, not to eight miles, way ahead of anything I'm capable of. Mile 13 was at a 14.30 pace. I've ran about 12 half marathons, 10 half marathons. I started that half stronger than any of them, and I finished worse than any of them. Spiritually, you can probably relate. Like For some of you guys, there's been times in your life where you said, man, my trust in God is so strong and my faith is so steady. I am giving him my first. I am walking in faith. I am eating it up. He is first in my life. And then you have found spaces and time going, man, I'm running at a 15 minute mile. Like, I was killing it, man. Like, I was dedicated, and I was faithful, and I trusted him. I loved my family and Jesus. And, and now? Like, I was running so well. My disciplines were strong. Any of you ever felt that? Man, I'm in God's word with breakfast every morning, man. Man. I'm praying to Jesus. I am praising Jesus. I am giving to Jesus. God is God over my money. He's God over my time. He's God over my kids. He's God over my family. And then you have moments he's not even God over me. Obedience in his commands. Let me ask you spiritually, what is your pace at right now? Write it down. What is your spiritual pace right now? how fast were you when you started? How fast are you running right now? I'm asking you. You spiritually strong or you winded? Paul steps into this space and goes, hey man, you were running so well. You hear me? You were running so well Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Verse 8, this persuasion does not come from him who calls you. The things that have slowed you down, the things that have added weight to you, the things, the hurdles in your faith, they didn't come from God. That's what Paul is saying. God's not trying to stump you. You are running so well. You know, as I get older, there are two things, and maybe you're different than I am, and that's fine, I believe you. There are two things as I get older that are negatively relentless to my life. Keyword, relentless. Never stopping. And that is sin, and that is fat. Fat, F-A-T. And I see it more and more as I get older sin because I'm a sinner. Like I am not perfect. On my deathbed, I will be there in my last seconds and Hunter Jones will be battling sin. I will be battling this to the day I die, and so will you. And the same goes to weight. Like weight does not take a vacation. Like, weight does not care that you just had a baby. Weight does not care that you're in the midst of a pandemic. Weight does not care that your wife is the greatest cook. Weight does not care. And man, I used to be able to be like, you know what, I need to lose 10 pounds. And I would lose it like this. Now, if I look at food poorly, I gain weight, right? Right? Like, it just slows, and you know what? like I said, maybe you're different than I am, and praise Jesus if God gave you that genetic metabolism, but for most of us, it's a daily battle. Like, it just never stops. I feel like weight is just never sleeping. It's just like, just give me the door opening, and I'm crushing right in there, right? Sin is the same way. Sin is the same way. The reality is, you don't have to try very hard to get out of shape, physically or spiritually. You don't have to try very hard. You don't have to put much effort into it. Spiritually, we see the same thing. And for some of us, it's confusing because we think to ourselves, with physical and spiritual, I'm not sitting around eating Big Mac and donuts all day. Why am I gaining weight? But the truth is, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. You can still say, I'm gonna make sure that I pray before dinner and I go to church at least three times a month. Why am I getting spiritually fat? Why is this happening? Paul says in verse nine, a little laven lavens the whole lump. For the people of Galatia and the people today, they might not have even seen Hang. Or anticipated certain decisions slowing the rundown. Do you see this? Think about your own life. These first four verses are so applicable, I need you to hang on them. The people of Galatia probably did not walk into this scenario going, I know that this is gonna weigh me down. No. In verse nine, the illustration of the bread shows us that it does not take much for problems to rise. Amen. So for some of you guys, you're like, man, I'm still kind of trying. I'm still trying to do these spiritual diets where I go all in and then I fall right off. Physically, that's why I always laugh at these diets because they're not long-lasting. There's no longevity to them. I know you've done them, and I know you've heard about them. I know you've tried your best, but you have someone come up to you and go, hey, right now, all I can eat is squirrel and broccoli, and this is going to solve everything. And I always go, okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, how long are you going to do this? 60 days. Well, what are you doing after 60? I don't know, right? Because they don't really work because you can't really keep them up. I still have not talked talk to one person and been like, hey, I've been doing keto for 17 years straight. I still haven't talked to that guy yet. So what we're doing physically is we're trying to all find something with longevity to it. Like, how can I keep this run up and sustain it? How can this not be just a two-month sprint? How can I run all 13 miles at the same space? Please hear me. When it comes to your spiritual, when it comes to your physical, walk and run, hang on it. Everything matters. Everything matters. So when I first started physically running, all I knew was I needed some shoes and some shoestrings and some shorts and a t-shirt and determination. Go. But as I got older and more experienced with how to run, I started to understand that like what I ate mattered. And the sleep that I got mattered. And who I ran with mattered. The weather that I ran in mattered. What I wore mattered. The type of shoes I had mattered. Physically is the same. Spiritually is the same. So the type of church that you're a part of matters. The people that you are under teaching you matters. The type of people that you are around in your Monday through Saturday matters. How you pour into your kids matter. Your disciplines matter. The spiritual life is the same. You cannot go to church on Sunday, give him your all, and live like you don't know him on Monday. Man, I ran 10 miles. Now it's time to go eat a pound cake. That's not going to work. But that is what we do. You know how much, how many times in my life as I've gotten older that I've said to myself, like, man, I am crushing it, killing it with my physical exercise, killing it. But, man, my diet is awful. And I can't just, as I get older, I can't put a combination between the two. Because I always tell myself, man, I'm in church. So I can do whatever I want to here. You see the same thing that Paul is saying, you are running so well and it does not take much for problems to rise. I want you to see this. What does he say? You ran so well. Do you know who he's talking to? He's talking to believers. So we often read Galatians and we see this and go, man, he's trying to save the lost, the backwards. No, no, no. These are believers that are drifting. He would not have said that you are running well at one point in their life, if they weren't saved by Christ. See, we all wanna run well, but very few of us are willing to stop eating fast food. And when we place idols first in our life, when we neglect daily time in his word, when we aren't prioritizing our children and pouring into them, when prayer is absent, when church is inconsistent, when relationships are unhealthy, our runs become more difficult. I want you to hear that. When we add weights to our run, our exercise will become more difficult. I just want you to hear these words, also Paul in Hebrews 12. I want you to hear them. Paul says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us, weighs us down, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking until Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, whom for the joy that was set out before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The truth is, if you are saved by Jesus Christ, if you are a born-again believer, we are all running. It's just at different spaces and paces. Paul encourages us and pleads with us, drop the weights. Drop the weights, that are weighing you down as you move. So for you guys that can relate to my physical illustrations, have you ever tried to lose weight by not eating well? It doesn't work. You ever tried to go run like hours after you had Mexican? It's not fun. It's really difficult. And it's really discouraging because you're like, man, I'm trying my best, but what you're doing is you're pouring in harmful substances as you're trying to actually get them out of you, and it's counterproductive. Paul goes, spiritually, you're you're doing the same thing. Like you want to be close to God, and you want to be peace, and you want to have joy, and you want to have faith, but you're pouring in so many harmful things that are not going to be good for you. He says, man, run, drop the weights, eyes on the prize in the freedom of Christ. In Galatians 5, I love verse 10. I'm overwhelmed by it. I want you to hang on it. Highlight 10 for me. Paul says, I have confidence in you. We're going to come to it. It's a great friend, great shepherd, pastor, great coach running partner. I have confidence in you. I have confidence in the Lord that is in you, that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment whoever he is. So if you've been with us, we read back in chapter one where Paul looks at his his brothers and sisters that he has spent missions on. And what did he say? He goes, Man, I've gotten word about your your run. And what does he say? I marvel, remember? I marvel. I'm shocked. I'm stunned that you so quickly, what? So quickly turned away. Remember? Chapter one. He goes, man, like I, I know what you told me. I know what you professed. I know what we prayed. I, I know what you said is real. I saw you running so well. I'm just shocked that you've stopped. I'm shocked that you slowed down, right? Last week, he steps into that space, and he says, brother, what happened to you? What happened to you? This week, you were running so well, but this is why I was overwhelmed by by verse 10. I still have confidence in you. I have not given up on you. So he goes, you know what? I'm shocked that you've turned. I marvel that you slowed down. I'm confused that your pace is so slow. But I still have confidence in you. Why? Because the confidence I have in the Lord, that I know that the Lord is in you, that the Lord is going to sustain you, and that you're going to pick up your pace. And I pray that we all have friends like that in our life. I pray that you are that friend for somebody. Somebody. See, Paul, as a minority, stepped into the space of making himself the enemy last week. And as he made himself the enemy, the bad guy, he still roots for them. You know, I personally have given up on a lot of people, and I have not continued to root for them. Paul goes, listen, I still have confidence that you are going to speed up. Today, many of us need to see that the weights that we have weighing our races down, our runs down, and praise God for the friends that still root for us to speed up. Look at verse 9. I'm sorry, go to verse 11 to 15. Paul continues and says, I, brother, if I still preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution?" Then the offense of the cross has ceased. I wish that those who trouble you would even be cut off, them, cut themselves off. For you, brothers, you have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even as this, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Paul tells us in those verses that you and I have been given freedom to run in Christ. We have been given freedom to run faster in Christ. That Christ at the cross has opened the doors of every cell for those who are lost. And Galatians is Paul's plea for you and I not to run back to prison. The reality is, is we all have weights. Galatians in Hebrew, Paul says, put your weights down. Stop pouring in what makes your runs difficult and challenging. Look at verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit. I want you to hang on this. You could preach 19 straight weeks on 16 through 26, where we're gonna spend just a second here, but I want you to hang on the words. It can be, if you read it at face value, a challenging diet, so hear them out. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are against one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. They're obvious, your Bible says, which are this. Adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lewdness and idolatry and sorcery and hatred and contentions and jealousy and outbursts of wrath and selfish ambitions and dissensions and heresy and envy and murder and drunkenness and robberies. And the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the time past, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy and peace and longsuffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against such there is no law. Hang on it. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with the passions and the desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You know, if you sit someone down that doesn't really know what Christian living is like and you start pouring that into them in one sitting, that seems like a hard diet to follow. That's a lot of squirrel and broccoli, right? Right? I remember sitting with a man one time who was older and very physical, out of shape, and spiritually out of shape, and I remember him looking at me and going, Hunter, all these people that are eating right and taking these vitamins and exercising every day, just to be obvious, honest with you, that seems more of a burden than being overweight. Pretty good observation. <laughs> he goes, you guys are waking up at four in the morning and spending all of this money and eating food that's no good for you. I'd rather be fat. I'd rather die early, right? That seems worse than being physically out of shape. Spiritually, I think we can feel the same way at times. Like, I'm trying to make more money, not give a percentage of it back. Like, I don't have time for Bible study. I barely have enough time for Netflix. Like, my kids have other things I want them to thrive in. Like, if they're going to keep up in the circle I want them to be in, I got to prioritize pushing them into those spaces. I don't got time for this. I can barely pray to God myself than pray with my, my wife, right? It's too much. Lostness seems easier. This is what I want you to understand about walking in the Spirit. Your spirit loves to run. Hang on it. Your spirit loves to eat well. See, for a lost man, the law is a burdensome task that is impossible. Who could keep up with such things? Apart from God, who could complete the run of Christian living? Without the Holy Spirit in your life, this seems impossible and a burden. But for those who are saved and has the Spirit living within them, your spirit loves to run, and hang on it, it loves to run fast. God's grace through his race is the reality that Christ has already finished the run and turned back around and to run with you to make sure you do too you ever had such a friend? I told you I'm not very fast. And so Jason Kirby and Jacob Partridge, they have that army strong in them. They have a different tank than I got. And so I've ran a lot more miles than they have, but they're just better at it than I am. So I'm in last place every time we run. And every time we run, this is what they do. Because they love me and care about me and don't want me to get hurt. They finish the race before me, and every time they do, I'm running, sucking air, and I see Jason's headlamp on his head, safety first. And he's coming back to get me. Like, that is Christ in our race. Christ has already finished the race. He's already obtained victory. It's already won. Now he has turned, he's already gotten his medal. He has turned back around to run again with you and I to make sure we do too. The spirit that lives within you, they love putting God first. The spirit loves giving, the spirit loves obedience, the spirit loves church, the spirit loves kindness, the spirit loves pouring into your children. The Spirit loves Bible study. The Spirit loves missions. The Spirit loves singing. For the lost man, yes, this is a hard diet. For the lost man, this is a hard diet. But for those who are saved, man, this is exactly what we want. Your Spirit loves these things. Put your shoes up, lace them on, and run. God will sustain you. I want you to look at this as we end. This is what we all should pray to be able to say at the end of our life. Look at Acts 20. This is how we're closing. I was sharing this with a brother of mine this week and just pouring into him and just saying, this is this is what I pray that I can say now and then as my time comes to an end, I hope we all can pray Acts 20. Look at Acts 20 Verse 24. This is also Paul. Look at Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry in which received from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify the gospel of the grace of God. God will sustain your run if you are faithful. Place him first. Pray for endurance. The Spirit will guide your steps. Please hear me. For my families out there, I want to root for you. For my men who go, man, I I can't pray with my, my wife. That is weird. It sounds weird. I've thought the same thing. The Spirit in me loves it. You don't think you like to eat well until you start eating well. For my families that go, hey, listen, I can't put God in the church before filling the blank. I can't do those things. Your spirit loves it. And once you start feeding it, you will see it. I can't give my mind, my money. I can't give my time. I can't give my priority. I can't do it. I'm maxed out. Your spirit loves it, and it will bless you. Put your shoes on, lace them up, and run, and God will sustain your pace. You are running so well. You are running so well. What is your spiritual pace right now? What is your spiritual pace right now? Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your challenge. We thank you for your encouragement. One could read you, you ran so well as just hardship and conviction and challenge and even discouragement. Like, I know I'm not running well anymore. I know I'm slower. I know I'm not doing well. I don't even know if I'm going to finish. But what does Paul say? He says, I still have confidence in you. Why? Not because we're awesome, not because he believes in us, not because he is trying to push us forward, but because of that next little line, and that is, I have confidence in the Lord that lives in you. For my people that are saved, the Spirit of God courses through our body. Our spirit loves to run. Our spirit loves to run in faith, in trust, in obedience, in grace to others, in service, in love. Our spirit loves to run at a fast speed. Lord, help our people run. Help our people run. And run quickly and smoothly and sustain us. If for some of us, and I'm included, if some of us have drifted and some of us have swayed and some of us have slowed our pace and we are not running in our faith or trust and love or discipleship or learning or alone time with God or church, if for some of us we have slowed down, Lord, speed us up, speed us up. And let our brothers and sisters of Eastview root for one another. I still have confidence that your spirit's going to sustain you. Let us applaud. Let us encourage. Let us turn around and run with our brothers and sisters that have swayed. In your precious and holy name, the church says, amen.